Okay, so here we are, another End Times podcast. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endtimesradio, endtimesradio. So fb.com slash endtimesradio, and that way you'll get the latest when they pop up. We aim for Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Not sure if that's Eastern Time or Western Time, but we, uh, we aim to please. So, End Times Podcast, our latest episode. Uh, one, one type of End Times scenario that I think doesn't get enough play is, is uh, some kind of like, I don't want to say zombie apocalypse because that whole idea has been played out. It's been overplayed. And there are so many different movies. And, and then... You know, th- these heroes on the internet, they, they're, they're the, there's so many tough guys on the internet. And, and they'll go on the internet and, and they'll say, like, oh, uh, Bruce Lee could beat up Muhammad Ali, you know, or Mike Tyson or something like that. Some, and, they're, and they're just, like, pretend tough guys. And they're, they're really just fanboys and, and they secretly have a crush on, you know, some shirtless Bruce Lee or, or, Nolan Ryan or Chuck Norris or certain certain men seem to get like the fanboy. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they they get that fanboy attraction and and it's very strange. So the whole idea of a mass hysteria, zombie esque apocalypse, the internet tough guys they they try to throw it away. Um, and they try to say, oh, that's unrealistic. I had this last week with last week's podcast. Last week's podcast, um, you know, it was it was something that gets underestimated, the, the artificial intelligence and the Terminator scenario, where because people can't grasp it or they don't have the imagination to think, hey, AI is getting smarter by the moment, you know, we chess computers in just ten years, uh, they they can be any human on the planet, and humans have been practicing for six hundred years. And there's books and all this human knowledge, and a chess computer can adapt and learn to be any human. And it's uh, and this is just chess, so they can learn, they can adapt, they can become almost sentient they can become more sentient than uh maybe even humans but they can become more sentient than animals so mass hysteria and 
let me, you know, give you a non-zombie example of it, and then we'll get into the zombie example of it. Because sometimes the media, and the media includes entertainment, puts ideas out there as not just to entertain, but to perhaps warn. And the media might put an idea out there because, hey, you better be prepared for this. Children's nursery rhymes are morbid. Ring around the rosies about, I think, Black Death and all the people that died. And, and uh, you know, London bridges are falling down and, and all of these things. Hansel and Gretel get put into an oven. Um, these are warnings. They're harbingers. And the media and entertainment still exist and they still create harbingers, warnings of our future. Big Brother... Did Big Brother come true? You know, a lot of people say it did. So we wouldn't even know if it came true. We could be brainwashed and not even be aware that it came true. All right, so here's here's a non-zombie example. The dancing plague of 1518 AD, 1518, 500 years ago. So what's the dancing plague? It still puzzles um, scientists, historians, and anyone else who's trying to think about it. And this is, you know, I've, I got this piece to give credit to a writer from London named Vitmore Gomez, and he is um, big on anthropology and physics, and he is on an expert site called Quora, if you want to look this up. All right. In July 1518, in the town of Strasbourg, um, Alsace, now France, something unexpected happened. A housewife called Frau Truffaut came out of her home on the street and started dancing. People found it odd, including her husband, but no one gave it much attention. Or if we see someone dancing in the streets nowadays, my God, that person's probably on some kind of substance. Okay, so didn't give it much attention. She literally danced all day, only stopping when she fell asleep due to her exhaustion. The next morning, as soon as she woke up, she started dancing again. This time, people did pay attention, as this was highly unusual, and they formed a crowd around her to see her dance to no music. This is 1518. They don't have, like, uh, Sony Walkman. At this point, her feet were already bruised and bloodied, but she didn't appear to be willing to stop. But within four days, something even weirder started happening. Dun, 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 dun. 34 people also started dancing nonstop. Within four weeks, it is believed that up to 400 people were dancing uncontrollably. All right. And there are, you know, drawings from this era. Those who weren't affected had no idea what to do as they saw their dancing neighbors screaming in pain and begging for help, seemingly not being able to stop their killer moves. That's the author. I wouldn't say that. See, if you're an anthropologist, you're going to say nerdy stuff like that. Because it was summer at the time, up to 15 people a day were dying because of the heat dehydration and exhaustion. I guess you could kind of like hand them a Gatorade and say, hey, 
you know, hey, Johan, um, here's a Gatorade. Only in Europe, you know, there's, there's like things that only happen in Europe. The city council asked for the help of local physicians. In those days, physicians were probably, you know, they probably are the equivalent of um, someone who would go to DeVry University today to try to stop this madness. And eventually they diagnosed the poor dancers with, quote unquote, hot blood. So hot blood meant the brain was overheated, which caused madness. But they couldn't use their remedy, bloodletting, since people couldn't stop moving for long enough to have a bit of their blood drained. So that's the cure for hot blood, is a little bit of bloodletting. Um, so the council decided to try something else. They hired musicians and brought more people into the town in order to have a party and try to tire the dancers out. So they brought in musicians. Um, it seemed to be working as the dancers' moves were slowing down, but the hired musicians decided to change the pace and play a more upbeat song, causing the villagers to once again get back on their previous groove. Seeing that this wasn't working, they decided that this wasn't a case of hot blood. It was something far worse. It was a curse on the city. Dun-dun-dun. A curse put upon it because of all the sinners in it. So the council decided to take action. They closed down all the gambling houses and brothels. Uh, see a couple people ruin it for everyone. And they banished all those who they considered to be a sinner from the city. But as you probably expected, this did nothing to stop those bloodied and bruised feet from dancing. This lasted all the way till September. They must have been handing them like Gatorades and, you know, like sandwiches and such. To this day, it's still not known what caused evil even though um, there are theories such as mass hysteria brought on due to extreme poverty and the superstition surrounding St. Vetus, whom they believed had cursed them. So they believed the saints in those days had, like, cursing powers. Um, you know, it's kind of like not what the saints are supposed to do. But So the extreme poverty and just like, hey, screw it, I'm just going to dance and, you know, just go nuts. And maybe, you know, but then why, why are the other people dancing? And surprisingly enough, this happened quite a few times all throughout Europe, of course. There were similar outbreaks in 1247, 1278, 1375, 1381, and 1428. Play those numbers on your lotto. And probably more than that were documented. Um, there were were, weren't documented. There were cases where people only danced, but had not only danced, but had delusions and cases where they afflicted, all the afflicted were only children. Okay. So sometimes it was just only kids that had this problem. It's been centuries since the last reported case of the dancing plague, but it's still scary to think about since there isn't any explanation as to why it happened to this day, according to the writer. And I'll give him, I'll give him credit again. This is on a public website. So um, Vic, Vitmore Gomez in London. And seems like, you know, he's telling something. Uh, there's artistic renditions of this. And this mass hysteria where people just started dancing. So, you know, was it dancing or was it just like, I don't know, like where they just couldn't control their body and they're stimming and, you know, 
and uh, gesticulating and flailing and arms akimbo, um, you know, shuffling and uh, bojangling and, you know, whatever else. They were doing, you know, this 23 skidoo and uh, who knows what they were doing. But they, um, these outbreaks happened in Europe. And they're strange. I don't know what would happen. I guess today they would just, the paddy wagon would come. I saw an episode of Live PD where someone was just dancing. They couldn't stop. And, you know, it seemed like she was on drugs. The cop just um, chalked it up to drugs. And that's a show, I think, that got um, got me tooed. Live PD. I don't think it's on anymore. I don't see how it could. That was a moment in time that that show existed it was kind of good while it lasted, but, eh, what can you do? All right, so this brings us to zombie apocalypse, and could it happen? All right, so maybe the dancing plague was communicable. It seemed like it in some way. And maybe there are things that are communicable that aren't quite viruses or bacteria or funguses. Maybe there's just other ways that things could be communicable you know these group experiences you see it sometimes in like these mega churches where the people are practically all you know speaking in tongues and acting crazy or concerts or um you know when when a mob that mob mentality sometimes it just becomes like this this instinct and you know maybe couple that with a virus that um, lowers inhibitions with the most recent plague we have going on, the pandemic, you know, this particular virus is different in that people pass it before they get the symptoms. So they could have it for a week or two. That's something the, the you know, the anti-zombie fanboys don't understand is there are lots of different viruses. So... If something is, people say, oh, you know, if there's a zombie apocalypse, that, that's ridiculous. They, you know, I watch The Walking Dead and they go two miles an hour. They'd be so easy to kill. Our military would just go right through them and it would be no problem. All right. This is assuming that zombies activate all of a sudden and, um, and then they, and that, and that they're slow and, and dumb. All right, so that's a lot of assumptions there. Let's say they still have their IQ points, but they become devious. You know, there are lots of disorders that make people devious, make them into bad seeds. I'd say half the episodes of Dateline or follow someone who just had some kind of moment and they snapped or they fell down a flight of stairs and hit their head and they were never the same since, but they still have their IQ points. Uh, say there's a virus that causes this. Say it's a virus that doesn't activate for a week or two. And, or, yeah, you say, oh, the military will take care of it. Say the military is infected, too, but they just don't know they're infected. So the military, you know, it's not as easy as you think. And say there are other cues. You know, people are, are they're joining some kind of mob mentality. There's some kind of mass hysteria. And, you know, there's a lot to know. 
There's a lot to know. Say the zombies start eating each other. You know, that, that doesn't come up in these zombie movies. Why don't they just eat each other? Um, so it could be a lot worse than even these zombie shows show. Now, are there diseases that cause people to act like this? Well, the, the com most common one is rabies, but that's spread through bites. Um, and we have a cure for it because it's a million years old, the disease. So it's isolated, and it's hard for it to spread in our modern world. And we could, you know, get people and hold them down and give them some shots and whatever if they're foaming at the mouth or whatever. Um, or we could just restrain them, and they're not going to spread it. But let's say there are other ways to spread it. You know, there, there was mad cow disease. Say that was a little bit more virulent. Say it was in our food supply. Say it was something that could be spread through um, breathing and people could pass it on to one, one another. Uh, kuru or something like that that, um, that can spread and cause people to act as if they're, um, you know, they're, they're not the same person. They're going through something. Um, some people... If they have, you know, if their uh, electrolytes and blood, sh blood sugar are off, they start to act differently. Well, take it to the 100th extreme. And, and now we have masses of people. And, um, and what do you do? So it's not as clear cut as you might think, um, you know, with the zombie apocalypse. It's not like... Oh, they're easy to take care of, or I could outrun them, or outsmart them. We don't know. We don't know what different scenarios there could be. We don't know what these um, these viral labs are doing. America has them. China has them. And you know, we don't know what these what these labs have behind them. What they're experimenting on. There could be something that either accidentally or on purpose escapes a lab. They can be altered to only affect uh, certain races and um, and types of people. COVID, you know, seems to affect um, people that are overweight and older. You know, there could be engineered viruses that affect people that are younger, that are white or, or African um, descent. And let's say they were made by someone who is not white or African descent. And they wanted to somehow, you know, get some kind of world domination going on um, by infecting only people with certain genetics. It's, you know, it's something that should definitely be considered. Okay, so what do you do? What do you do if this is going on and you're getting information? Maybe like with COVID, you're getting false information at first. You have a stooge um, telling you, oh, yeah, you don't need a mask. Oh, you don't need a mask. And really, you do need a mask. You know, like, maybe a mask makes that your chances of getting um, this virus that causes madness, uh, maybe it, maybe it's just enough. And, you know, it's just all you really need. But they're telling you not to wear a mask. And now everyone's getting it and they're spreading it. It has a gestation period. And before we know it, Everyone's messed up but you and maybe a few people. 
So what's the best scenario? Well, a lot of it depends on are they, is it just mass hysteria that's relatively harmless? Are they dancing? Are they just running and acting weird? Do they, are they not cannibals? You know, if they're not cannibals, then, um, you know, that that's something to think about too. Recently I watched, if you ever want to like delve into um, bad movies, uh, Italian filmmakers made a bunch of cannibal movies in the 70s and um, and they're considered highly racist now and they're not really, you know, they, they were really trumped up. And, but they made these cannibal movies and they would just hire locals in some, you know, third world country to play cannibals. They weren't real cannibals. And they would have these scenarios where the cannibals would find some Western European or American type people. And, and of course, you know, it would be old world meets new world and, and the, um, Western European American people would get eaten up and they, there would be a big frenzy uh, amongst the cannibals like there'd be a big almost like an orgy of um of festival of flesh when they would um cannibalize their victims in gruesome ways and this was part of the genre of this type of film and while this is you know obviously problematic from a racial point of view you know, maybe if there is mass hysteria, people start to act weird. And if you tie cannibalism to it, you know, maybe it becomes like this. Maybe we do revert to, you know, the ancient peoples from thousands of years ago. Maybe people do have this in them to become like this mass of, of crazies. So this makes the scenario rough like you know i talk about the two major types of end times survival modes there is free range where you have to be fleet of foot and you have to move and be you know cognizant of your surroundings and get to safe areas and know how to get supplies and and those types of things or there's the hunker down hunker in the bunker and that's where you find a place or you have your own bunker if, if you have the wherewithal to have one. Um, and you wait it out and you see, you know, what's happening in the world. And you try to, you know, lay low and you're, you know, you're locked in and you're, you're hidden. You have supplies already set and you're just waiting it out. And I don't know if this is a, a free range or a um, hunker in the bunker scenario. It's it's complicated. If you're hunkering in the bunker and these, you know, mass hysterical people, they have they have um, their IQ points. They might figure you out. And if cannibalism is on their, um, you know, it was their goal, then they're going to be able to get into that bunker. Eventually, they're gonna, they'll get TNT and they'll like blow you out of this bunker if you're, if you haven't joined their club, um, or is it better to kind of 
wander the earth and maybe eventually you find like a little cabin in in the Adirondacks or or somewhere and you're um and it's far enough away from people that eh these these people are never going to find you and you know they're probably not you know if they're go if they're not if they lose their ability to farm and you know if they're if they're hysterical um they might die in weeks or months you know maybe years so you could hide out for a while and then and then come out and see what's left of society um i'm almost siding with if it's a if it's a scenario um involving if it's involving like undead type people and they are reasonably intelligent and not slow like in the walking dead um might be better to f- to flight you know just get out of there get somewhere there are lots of parts of this country that are really secluded and you could just keep traveling and you know of course it's going to be rough it's going to be rough living out there um but i think that might be your better survival method of course have like your you know your um hand crank radio and um you know ways to get messages from the outside world but if possible you know and and then maybe you'll hear one day on a crackling am station um you know all clear this is the new government of america uh the zombie apocalypse is over you know, you're safe to return. Now, whether you trust that message or maybe it's just zombies trying to get people to come out, who knows? But, you know, don't lose that hand crank radio and check all the frequencies all the time. All right, so that's my thoughts on a zombie apocalypse. It It is possible that a brain disorder could be communicable and it could be hysterical and it could be violent. So all of these things tied together, plus the fact that some viruses seem to gestate for a week or two might catch everyone by surprise. You know, your whole military, you think the military's helping, but they're really infected, and then they turn the guns on the population because, you know, they're they're smarter zombies. They know how to use guns. So be careful out there. But I wouldn't totally discount the zombie end-time scenario. I wouldn't. It's, it's all right, if I have a top... 10 list of of possibilities of end times i wouldn't maybe put it in the top four or five but it's it's up there it's it's in there it's in the range of possibilities so have it in the back of your head at the very least knowing that people could they could become mobs that are dangerous is useful to know that could happen under a range of scenarios not just zombie. So thinking about it from the zombie perspective might not be that bad of an exercise. All right, that's it. Let me do and I hear you knocking. So I play this song off of YouTube. I just play a few seconds so it doesn't get flagged. And this is by Dave Edmonds. So it's only two minutes and 49 seconds, but YouTube throws like a 30-second ad before it. 
And this is why YouTube sucks. I'll never pay money to YouTube because they just throw ads and everything. But anyway, it's only a two minute and 49 second song. He should have like added a little bit to it. I think it would have been more of a hit, even though we've heard this song before. But I'm going to do an I Hear You Knocking segment. The good thing about that song is he gets to the hook really early on into it. All right, so I go on to a celebrity website and take the first two names that pop up. And the scenario is um, you're in your bunker and it's mayhem out there. But you have room in the bunker for one person. And so I take the two, the first two names that appear on a celebrity website. Um, and why do I choose celebrities? Well, because we all know who the celebrities are. You know, we kind of can gather it. And there might be people who live in our town who kind of remind us of these celebrities. So it might be localized in that way. And if I pick random people from, you wouldn't know who these people are. So celebrities give us some common ground. Okay, so I'm on a celebrity website. First name that pops up is Courtney Love. And here's the headline. Courtney Love reveals she only weighed 97 pounds and almost died last year. She doesn't look like her same self, honestly. And she's a tall person, 97 pounds. All right, number two. Vilmer Valderrama. Wilmer Valderrama. Reveals his new baby's unexpected name and the meaning behind it. I'm not clicking on that clickbait. All right, so we have Courtney Love and Wilmer Valderrama. All right. Um, all right, so he has a baby. All right. Um, not uh, Last week we had uh, a couple of people who I thought both were halfway decent. This week, I'm not sure what to do here. Okay, so Courtney Love, if she was almost 97 pounds last year, she's probably not in good mental or physical shape. You know, obviously she's recovered if she's going to PerezHilton.com and um, talking to them about her weight loss, but, um, and, you know, about her survival. So maybe she's, I don't know, 120 now. I don't know if she gained back the weight or whatever. But she was in bad shape last year. Courtney Love, known as the, um, she had a music career in her own right. And actually, I think she's underrated. I think she's underrated as a musician. Her songs are pretty good. She had a couple of really good albums. But anyway, better known as the, um, the troublesome wife of Nirvana singer, the late Kurt Cobain, who died at age 27, and they were married, and she was the bossy, um, shrewish wife who didn't see the warning signs. And some people say that she might have had a hand in his death, which sounds ridiculous, honestly. But, all right, whatever. There's a whole documentary thinking with that theory. But, um, uh, obviously, she's had a troubled life, and there is some record of mental illness in there. And now maybe even, um, you know, weight problems, according to the headline on a celebrity website. All right, Wilmer Valderrama. I gu I'm guessing he's 
40. Let me see. Wilmer Valderrama is 41. See, I'm a pretty good guess. I just turned 41 about a month ago. All right, so um, best known uh, as he was the goofy foreign kid on that 70s show. And I don't know if that's a character you could do anymore. If you could do a uh, um, a goofy foreigner, or is it making fun of? Um, I don't know if you could do that anymore on a sitcom. All right, and now he's on. He's been on since two thousand three, according to this NCIS, which is a cop show. And he was also in some other things. All right, so I think it's pretty clear. You know, I, I don't, and he was in Dusk Till Dawn, the movie, as Carlos Madrigal. All right. Um, I think it's, pr so he didn't get typecasted by playing Fez on that 70s show. He didn't become, see, you could really become typecasted playing a goofy character, and he somehow overcame that. Um, I think it's pretty clear here, you know, it's, you're thinking of survival of your of your clan and you're in the bunker and you have room for one more unless you're all men and even then um i think you have to go i think you have to go with wilmer it's um you know he's still active he's in shape he's um strong he seems relatively intelligent Says he's 5'8". Um, seems like he's, you know, has his life together. He'll be a little bit upset that his wife and daughter are no longer around. But, you know, maybe he could help out in some way. Doesn't seem like... Um, doesn't seem like he's going to be much trouble. And maybe, you know, maybe he's charming. He has an adaptable personality if he could play Fez and then play a cop on NCIS. So seems like he's uh he's a relatively you know safe bet. I'd give him like a a solid seven out of ten. Courtney Love, what is she at this point? Fifty. Um, not that you know you don't want to hold age against someone, but Courtney Love. If I type in Courtney on Google, she appears number one. Above Courtney Cox. Um, yeah, she almost died last year from anemia. So, 56. And you don't want to hold that against her, but you're, you're surviving, and she probably has certain talents. Um, she might, though be prone to emotional outbursts from what we can gather. You know, you're, you're at the door of your, um, bunker and you have the little, um, slide, you know, the slide keyhole open and you're looking and you have to make a decision. You can't just assume that everything's going to be all right. And you look out and you see her and, and Wilmer Valderrama and, you know, you have to make a decision. Say, Hey, we only have room for one. Your, your bunker mates are saying, 
hey, you know, we only have room for one. Um, so I don't, you know, of course she could help out, I guess. But let's say you're in the bunker situation and you have to be quiet. There's some bad people outside and you're mostly underground and you're covered. And But if you're noisy, it might catch someone's attention and bad people might, you know, try to get into your bunker and they have explosives. <sighs> Wilmer will just shut up. He'll just say, hey, um, I get it. I know there's some bad people out there. I'll just breathe, you know, shallowly and and just be quiet uh, from what I can gather. Courtney Love might start crying. She might start screaming. She might say, screw this. I'm going to go get that person and open the door. All kinds of stuff. So, and then, you know, do you feel like you could leave her alone back in the bunker? Like while you're going out fishing or something? Or will she steal your supplies and you come back and there's a bunch of like lowlifes um, in your bunker now? A bunch of her grunge friends and they're all like eating your food and smoking and, you know, whatever. It's tough call. Not really. I'd give her maybe a 3 out of 10. So, you know, maybe she could be cheerful at times. And sometimes you might want some musical entertainment. And, you know, th there's that. But I don't see a scenario where she is the better pick than Wilmer Valderrama. So that is I Hear You Knocking. All right, so entertainment news. Um, you know, you're going to be in a bunker, and you have to you have to bring some stuff with you. You know, the problem is we watch everything nowadays on streaming services, and we don't record it. And even if we record it on a DVR, that's not really all that transferable. So in an apocalyptic scenario, you're not going to have your... Um, your, you're not going to have your streaming services or your internet or any of that stuff. It's not going to work. I'm sure they'll still pull the twelve ninety nine out of your account every month somehow. And I was wondering that the other day. Like, if you die, do these like little Hulu's and, and Netflixes and you know um, whatever Meat Club of the Month or whatever you get a subscription to? Do they just keep pulling money out of your account until, like, someone tells them? Like, hey, or is there a way, like, they'll stop? Because let's say you have $5,000 in your bank account or something. I don't know. Some amount. And you die. No one's going... Does the bank just keep paying off Hulu and, like, Hulu just keeps taking it every month even though Planet Fitness, even though you're not going there, um, they just keep taking it and taking it? In any case, people don't, um, they don't, you're not going to be able to stream, probably, in some kind of apocalyptic scenario. So I try to review things that are intangible, on tangible media. If you're doing a roaming the earth type scenario, and you bump into one of these, I don't know how they exist, but they do. 
they look like they're built like tanks, so they might be hard to break into. But um, I tried a red box the other day, and I hadn't gotten anything from a red box in a long time. And there are these big red boxes that dispense DVDs and Blu-ray videos. And they have them in grocery stores, usually, or outside of gas stations or, or things like that, um, convenience stores. And they still exist somehow. I don't know how they still exist, but they do. I guess maybe some people use them. They can't nearly be as popular as they used to be. And what they did was they put all of the um, video stores out of business. And, um, and now they are probably going to be put out of business by all the streaming services. But it was only $1.80 to rent, um, rent a DVD from one of these. And you just swipe your card. And as long as you bring it back... And you can bring it back to any of the kiosks. So if you got it in one town and there's a kiosk in another town, you could return it. Once we got a bunch in Los Angeles and drove across the desert uh, while my daughter watched them on her portable DVD player and then um, returned them in Las Vegas. So you don't have to return it to the red box in question. Um but if you could break into one of those after the apocalypse happens, you can get a like a whole load of, of entertainment out of those. And DVDs will still largely be playable because you could have a portable DVD player. You could charge it with either a generator or um, with your car. Uh, you can charge them in a number of ways. They the, the bad part about these DVD players usually is they have their own battery systems, and they're all different. So it's not like you can just grab a bunch of AA batteries and use them. But maybe there is a DVD player that works in AA batteries. In any case, you'll be able to watch DVDs. So a DVD I got from the Redbox was the Equalizer 2 with Denzel Washington. And I thought I had seen Equalizer 1, but because Denzel Washington always kind of plays... This, you know, he often plays a type of person that's trying to get some kind of revenge, some kind of underdog. And there's a new Equalizer TV show with Queen Latifah that also has this um, theme. But the movie's from, the original movie is from 2014, The Equalizer 1. So I watched The Equalizer 1 after the fact, because we had gotten Equalizer 2. And you can watch them out of order. He's like a special op who helps people who need help, and he has all these mad skills, so he can, you know, cause all kinds of... Um, he can right wrongs. So he's pretty much like a high-tech Robin Hood, you know, who will... He can, like, kill a whole Russian gang, for example... And he's not afraid of any scenario. But he takes normal jobs during the day, like he works at Home Depot or he drives for Uber. Um, so, you know, or Lyft, I think it is in the movie. Um, so he just takes on these normal jobs. But, of course, during the course of his day-to-day -day living, because he is kind of a, you know, kind of a roam-the-earth type guy, um, he encounters people that are in trouble, and then he decides to help them out. Like if a local bodega owner is being shaken down by the mafia, he'll he'll help out. 
Um, so that type of thing. And, you know, it's, it's of course, it, it's kind of a combination between Death Wish, where, you know, the main character would uh, always have something, someone would wrong him. He's just minding his own business, and someone would wrong him, and he'd go on a vigilante spree. And the A-Team, which were like these soldiers of fortune that could be hired to help you out of some scenario. And, um, you know, it's a combination of that. And, you know, my favorite part of the Incredible Hulk TV show that they didn't explore enough was Bill Bixby, um, you know, uh, Bruce Banner is the character name, Wandering the Earth. I thought that part was more interesting in many ways than him turning into the Hulk and breaking things. It was, he had to, he was a former PhD scientist who had to go from town to town and work off the books or, you know, blue collar jobs because he, um, he was wanted, you know, and he, he's assumed dead or whatever. So he had to pretty much, you know, that's how he had to live the rest of his life. And I always thought that was kind of interesting that just walking the earth and, and, you know, doing what you have to do to get by. And recently, uh, Nomad Land was a movie in that regard where people are just kind of wandering the, the country. Um, so I would suggest the Equalizer films. Get those on DVD. They might be good in post-apocalyptic times. You'll be looking for, a, um, or for something to do. And the thing they don't tell you in science fiction is if it is the end of the world and most of the world is gone, you're going to have a lot of free time. You're not going to have to clock in at your job, you know, at Mutual of Omaha Insurance or wherever you happen to be working. You're, you're going to have free time. You no longer have to commute to work. You no longer have to really, you know, sit at some desk and, and stare at some um, DOS program and type in information, and that doesn't really matter in the long term. So you're going to have a new freedom if you survive that long. So the Equalizer, I don't know if any of the skills that the Equalizer have, has are transferable to the Apocalypse. He's mostly like this superhuman that I don't think any of us could aspire to be. But interesting nonetheless, and uh, I think it'll be good entertainment for you and the kids in, um, in, our, new, in our new world order. So there you go. Well, this ends another podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, get more of these on endtimespodcast.com or better, go to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash endtimesradio and, uh, or send us an email at endtimes at campusxm.com, endtimes at campusxm.com. I'd love to hear from you, okay? Until next time.